everyone. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And what's you- been going on? I'm trying to think. Not much, really. Actually, things have kind of slowed down for me, which has been really, really nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah. For work, we're moving. So I'm basically busy with that right now. And then outside of that, I've just been going to the studio. We had a really, really great coven class on Wednesday. It was absolutely magical during the full moon. Yeah. And aside from that, nothing really, I don't think. It's been nice. (laughs) Good. What about you? I feel like it's been the opposite. I've been crazy busy at work. I don't know if it's the holidays or whatnot, but it's just been really busy. I've been getting home pretty late every day, but it's good. I mean, nothing really to complain about. I just haven't had much time to do much. But I am watching Wednesday on Netflix, and it's so fucking good. Yeah, you like it so far? We just got to the dance the other... Like, we watched the dance episode the other night, Yeah, I was dying. I know, it's amazing. (laughs) So good. The whole cast is amazing. I love it. I just... Okay, I have one complaint. I do not like who they casted for Gomez, and I'll be the one to say it. Yeah, I could see that. Anything else that you're watching outside of that right now, recommendation-wise, or listening? No, I. that's the only thing I've... (laughs) I've been going to sleep so early. So I watch like an episode and then pass out. Oh my gosh, I do have something to say. So we're doing a Christmas cookie party type of thing this upcoming weekend, which by the time you're hearing this, it will have already passed. But I'm notorious for like being horrible at baking. Like I just can't, I can't do it. So last night, Carson and I were like, we're going to make the best cookies ever. It's our mission. (laughs) so we went to target and got a bunch of stuff and we made the dough and you're supposed to like put in the fridge overnight whatever yeah these cookies are gonna be so fucking good (laughs) like you're joking or you're serious no i'm serious oh my god i'm excited they're gonna be really good they're peanut butter chocolate chip cookies Ooh, okay i'm gonna like those so we're baking them today so i will officially have told you at the you know later on today if they're good or bad i'm, I'm really hopeful that this is going to be the first batch of cookies i've ever made without absolutely ruining them <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go with the pillsbury cutouts i was going to that was my first thought and i was like i have to put some effort into this yeah I'm pretty excited every cookie I've ever made has ended up in like a puddle and it's disgusting so we'll see can't wait to try I I don't even know what I'm making yet I was like somewhat skimming Pinterest this morning to Mm -hmm. to pick something because I'm like what the hell do I make that's not just a chocolate chip cookie yeah but I haven't found anything yet so we'll see how that goes I'm also kind of nervous because of the amount we have to make I know. All right. I don't think I'm really watching or doing anything different than normal lately, Mm -hmm. recommendation-wise. I think I'm on my same bullshit (laughs) with podcasts and books. Oh, you can talk about the Harry Potter experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot that we hadn't recorded for me to mention that. Yeah. So for my birthday, it was amazing. As many have probably seen the post, we spent the day hanging out as a family. We played some games. We had breakfast together. And then we watched some Wednesday, of course. And then later on, Timo surprised me and said he was taking me somewhere. So when we get there, it turns out to be the Harry Potter Forbidden Forest experience. What I want to know is, like, what were you thinking the hour 15 drive there? Me and Carson were in the car. We were like, 
Bryn's probably so pissed right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, with how late and how fucking cold it was or what? Yeah, and, like, just not knowing where you're going and it ended up being, like, over an hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, he told me it was about an hour. Oh, okay. But I like being surprised with where I'm going. Yeah, me too. I liked that aspect of it. I just was really hoping I wasn't cold. That was my whole thing is I didn't want to be cold. Mm-hmm. And... So we get there, and not only is it Harry Potter related, which was already a plus in my book, Timo surprised me with Kelsey and Carson being there, Amanda and Doug, and Kaylee and Josh. Mm. And those are my friends and family. And I was so excited and overwhelmed with joy. And I just was, it was completely unexpected. And I had such a good time with all of you. Aww. It was, it was so much fun. I feel like the experience itself, because Timo was asking me after what I thought about it. I thought it was like some parts were really good and then some parts were just okay. Like I felt like they could have done a tiny bit more with it. Yeah, I agree. For what it was. But being there with you guys, it was just so much fun. Yeah. I think that, like you said, yeah, like there was, it's like, it goes a mile back into the woods and like, it's crazy lit through the forest and there's just a bunch of little things to stop and look at. But yeah, I think they could have done more with it for like the cost of it. Mm-hmm, exactly. But overall, it was a really fun night. It was. And I loved that it was through the forest. I do wish it was a little longer, but I did also like that they had some interactive stuff. That was yeah, cool. That was cool. So thanks for coming. Yeah, it was fun. Happy birthday, Bryn. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So should we, should we get, get into, into our coffee review? Yeah. Today's coffee we're reviewing is Death Wish Coffee Company. And this is actually a coffee that was gifted by mom. Thank you, mom. You're the best. So thoughtful. Yeah. If you want to order coffee from them, you can go to their Instagram at Death Wish Coffee. Or you can go to their website at deathwishcoffee.com. Yeah, and mom got like a one pound bag and on their website it's 20 bucks. So I'm going to read a little description about the one that we are reviewing. So this one is the dark roast coffee and it, it was whole bean. And it just says dark roast, bold flavor, reliable. Doesn't ask questions. Our OG bag of beans may be the only morning friend you'll ever need <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> Sourced from the highest quality coffee beans in the world and roasted to deep, never bitter perfection with notes of dark chocolate, black cherry, we recommend at least one cup first thing in the morning in total isolation. This is a pound of power, basic brews not invited. <laughs> love that. I love the description. And I was trying to see the caffeine content in this but I couldn't find it on their website did you find it on the bag or anything because I'm wondering because it's supposed to be like super super strong it says the world's strongest coffee on the bag so I'm wondering how much caffeine is actually in a cup yeah it doesn't say strange Mm -hmm. the beans again are arabica and dark roast you know what though they have writing on the side of the bag and I don't have the bag in hand I just have pictures of it So it might have been on the side. Yeah. I love their description. And it's funny because on their Instagram, they also have this little blurb in their bio that says rebellious by nature. And then it says 0% bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I really like their branding. Their website's really cool. They have a bunch of little cool quotes everywhere. I really like this coffee. I'm a huge fan of the dark roast. 
I taste the dark chocolate notes and I agree it doesn't taste like burnt at all which I feel like some dark roast can yes completely agree with that and I do taste a hint of the cherry which I hadn't noticed until seeing the description because Mm -hmm. I was like what is that little bit of aftertaste Mm and now I get it I don't really taste it as much, but this is a really, really good coffee. So I don't know. I don't know. When, what are you going to rate it? I'm almost done with mine already. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think I would have to give this one an 8.5 maybe. Yeah, I was going to say 8.5. So I agree. Really good. I mean, not to get too much into their website because obviously we try to save that for the coffee companies that deal with us directly, not something just gifted. But there are some other coffees on their website that I really want to try. There's one called Ginger Dead, and it's cinnamon and ginger. Yum. And then there's another one that I saw that's called Dark Spirits, and it's barrel-aged chocolate rum ball. Oh my god. And it sounds amazing. So I really do want to try more of their coffees and go from there with their company, I guess. Yeah, we'll reach out to them. So thank you so much, Mom, for gifting us this bag and showing us this cool company. Yeah, thanks, Mom. You'll have to let us know your coffee review on it. (laughs) We'll let you guys know her (laughs) coffee review. (laughs) Let's get into it. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's case was suggested by Kaylee. So thank you, Kaylee. She's the cool girl that I mentioned coming to the Harry Potter experience. I was wondering if it was that Kaylee. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the case of Ken McElroy. A little bit of background. His full name was Ken Rex McElroy. He was born June 1st, 1934. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did you sneeze? Yeah, I couldn't hold it. <laughs> oh, bless you. I thought you, like, laughed at when he was born. No. <laughs> <laughs> Some articles say he was born in Nottoway County, Missouri, while others said Overlay Park, Kansas. So there was kind of conflicting information there. His parents were immigrants, and his dad's name was Tony McElroy. His mom was Mabel McElroy, with her maiden name being Lister. They were considered to be on the poor side of society. He was their 15th child out of 16 children. Holy shit. Yeah, and there wasn't more to that. I'm wondering because obviously back then there was a lot of loss with children at a young age. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if all of those 16 children were surviving children or if they had some losses. Yeah. And kept trying, you know? Yeah. But regardless, he was the 15th child, which is, that's a big family. Yeah, huge. His family moved between Kansas and the Ozarks before they settled down outside of Skidmore, Missouri. McElroy lived in Skidmore, Missouri at the time of this story. In eighth grade, when he was 15, he dropped out of school. Locally, he became known as, quote, a cattle rustler, small-time thief, and womanizer. And that was a quote from Wiki. Gross. Yeah. He was familiar with the cops at this time already. So young age was already, like, doing bad things. Yeah. He was indicted on 21 charges brought against him over the years, but was only convicted once. So how he kept slipping out of those, he was very, I guess skilled at what he did in the worst way possible. Mm -hmm. 
People suspected him of stealing, and such thievery included gasoline, alcohol, grain, livestock, and antiques. Witnesses refused to testify against him, and allegedly he would use intimidation tactics on them, following them, or watching them outside of their houses. So, like, which, he knew how to manipulate people? Yeah, and you'll be given examples of that throughout this episode. So fucked up. So, a little more about as he got older. It's sad to say, but he evolved into an even bigger piece of shit. In many articles, it says he was known as, quote, the town bully, but it really goes way beyond that. To consider him a town bully is putting it very lightly. Right. A little bit about his appearance at this time that added to his intimidation factor. He was over six feet tall and 270 pounds. He had thick black eyebrows and a bushy, bushy sideburns. His eyes were steel blue, so he was just like, in general, a scary looking guy. Aside from the alleged theft, McElroy was accused of many crimes and felonies, and some of those were assault, arson, hog and cattle rustling, which means like stealing those animals, animal cruelty, child molestation, and statutory rape. So yeah, a little bit more than a fucking bully. A lot more. Mm-hmm. Like we said, he's a piece of shit. He was a father to more than 10 children with different women. And Medium.com stated that he had 11 kids with three different women. So a little bit differing information, but regardless, he had a lot of kids. He met his last wife, Trina McLeod, when she was 12 years old. And she was in eighth grade. And maybe we should insert a little bit of a trigger warning here for everyone. This episode does include violence and or rape against minors. So if you're uncomfortable listening to that, this probably isn't the episode for you this week. And maybe you want to go back and listen to another one or just wait till next week. Agreed. We don't want this to trigger anybody. Yeah. So he raped... Trina many times and of course her parents initially opposed the relationship as any parent would I mean she's 12 years old mm-hmm. McElroy burned her family's house down and shot their dog so he was super violent already yeah it, so due to these events Trina's parents agreed to allow the marriage between the two obviously they were fearful and very intimidated by him Which is just so sad to hear. Yeah, and I mean, with his past and what had been going on during that time, if he kept getting indicted but not convicted of things, they are probably like, there's no point in even reporting this. Like, what are we going to do about this? Right, and they had their whole family to worry about. It's just a really scary thing. Yeah. Trina became pregnant at the age of 14 and dropped out of school. Oh, my God. During this time, she moved in with McElroy and his second wife, Alice. He divorced Alice and married Trina. And basically, he did this because this allowed the charges of statutory rape to be dropped because they were now married. That is so fucking disgusting and evil. Like, the whole thing. I just can't even wrap my head around how vile a person could be. And how he just kept finding ways to bypass the system. Right, he just manipulated everybody he could. A little side note, McElroy continued to have kids with Alice even after he married Trina. So he just did whatever the fuck he wanted. 
16 days after Trina gave birth to her child, she and Alice left the house and escaped to Trina's mother and stepfather's house, which I love that for them, that they Mm -hmm. tried to get out. Yeah. Court records state that McElroy found them and brought them back to his house. He then subsequently burned down Trina's parents' house and shot their dog again. That is so horrifying so this is like two years later he did the exact same thing because they tried to escape this horrible man and this happened the burning of the house and shooting their dog while they were away so they came home to that moving on to what happened next these events are based on trina's side of the story mcelroy was indicted june 1973 for arson assault and statutory rape He was arrested and then subsequently released on $2,500 bail. Trina and her baby were then put in foster care in Maryville, Missouri. And McElroy would sit outside the foster care home for hours and said he would trade quote-unquote girl for girl. I just can't. It's just so fucking disgusting. He just talks about human beings as like toys. Uh, Yeah, and the fact that he just, like, sits and stalks people, Mm -hmm. probably plotting his next move while he's doing this. No, what did this man do for a job? I mean, Jesus, how did he have so much time? So, by saying this girl-for-girl thing, he meant he would trade the foster family's biological daughter for his daughter back. So, this was a threat to kidnap the foster family's daughter. Ugh. He said he knew where the biological daughter went to school and her bus route. Due to this situation, additional charges were filed against him. That poor foster family. I know, just trying to be freaking good people and take in this abused child who has a child. Mm -hmm. July 27th, 1976, Romaine Henry, who was a farmer. I love that he was a farmer and his name was Romaine. I know. That's the coolest. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Romaine the farmer. Yeah. So Romaine Henry said that McElroy shot him twice with a shotgun. And I had read that this was twice in his stomach. Mm -hmm. This happened after Henry confronted McElroy for shooting weapons on his property. So literally, McElroy was illegally on his property firing a weapon, and Henry was like, you can't be here, and he just shot him. Yeah, and like, not to mention, maybe Romaine didn't even do that, like, shooting guns on his property, you know? Ugh, just such a bad person. So McElroy was charged with assault with intent to kill, and of course, he denied he was even at Henry's property, The case dragged on, and during that time, Henry said McElroy parked outside of Henry's house at least 100 times. I just don't understand how he got away with all of this crap. Yeah, and by now, isn't law enforcement looking for him sitting outside of these people's homes after events like this happen? That's his, like, M.O. He then tries to intimidate and is just stalking these people. Can't that be added onto his record that he is stalking these people after the fact? I feel like it was just how, like, law enforcement was at this time, you know, which is really sad to say. Yeah. And maybe that wasn't considered a problem back then, like, that much of a problem if Mm -hmm. he wasn't actually doing anything. Right. But who knows? 
So this was obviously done as another form of intimidation tactic. And the trial finally came, and two raccoon hunters testified to being with McElroy the day of the shooting. They said that they were not near Henry's property while with him, but was this true? Or were these people potentially just brought in as witnesses and yeah. paid yeah. off or also intimidated? Who knows? He could have easily hired two people and said, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill your family. With the type of person he was, I wouldn't put it past him. Right. During the trial, Henry was forced to admit that he concealed his own petty criminal conviction the conviction he had that was, like, quote-unquote concealed was from more than 30 years before this trial. Aye. So why this was relevant to McElroy's case is beyond me. I feel like McElroy's lawyer was kind of just using it as, oh, his word might not be true. He was a, he had, he has a criminal conviction. Yeah. And McElroy was subsequently acquitted. After shooting a man on his own property. Yeah. On July 8th, 1980, one of McElroy's children got into a fight with grocery store clerk Evelyn Sumi because she saw the young boy and another article stated four-year-old daughter. So we're not really sure whether it was his son or his daughter. So she apparently saw this young child steal candy from the store. This store was owned by Ernest or Bo Bowenkamp and his wife Lois. Years later, Bowenkamp's daughter said that her parents knew people were going through hard times and they would never accuse someone of stealing. They kind of just let things slide. They said basically like, yes, they would see a couple things here and there and, you know, they knew people were struggling to pay for things. So they would just kind of turn turn their head the other way Mm -hmm. and if it ever became to the point where it was like a problem they would have one of their children just walk up and down the aisles while people were shopping like they would never accuse people of stealing you just didn't do that that she said the daughter I feel like even if they had said something first of all this is a four-year-old child right so they wouldn't have been like you're stealing, like, freaking out, you know? Mm-hmm. If anything, I could see it as them potentially trying to correct the child and maybe teach them a little bit of a lesson behind it because they're they're a baby. Right. It's not like they would have been, like, kicking them out of the store and freaking out and calling the cops, you know? Right, but they said that nothing ever even happened. So the clerk, Evelyn, tried to explain that no one was ever accused and they would never accuse their children of shoplifting. And Trina said, quote, why would my fucking daughter lie? Mm -hmm. So a huge, like, misunderstanding between what happened in the store. Mm -hmm. McElroy then began stalking the Bowen Camp family. He eventually threatened Bo in the back of the store with a shotgun. Bo was literally 70 years old at this time. Oh, my God. So this poor man was being stalked and threatened by McElroy. And then eventually McElroy shot Bo in the neck. But thankfully, he survived the shooting. Thank God. Yeah. McElroy was arrested and charged with attempted murder. He was convicted, then released on bail pending the appeal, 
after spending one fucking night in jail. That's insane to me. One night for attempted murder. And he gets released on bail the next day. Mind-blowing. Immediately after he was released on bail, he went to D&G Tavern with a rifle with a bayonet attached to it. So D&G Tavern was, like, uh, in the center of town, and, like, a lot of people went there, so it was a busy place. The local bar. Yeah. Here he made threats about Bobo and camp and the graphic things he would do to him, so he knew people would hear him there. The customers that overheard the situation decided that something had to be done to keep McElroy from hurting Bo further, or even hurting somebody else, because who knew what he was going to do? Sheriff Dan Estes suggested that a neighborhood watch should be created. In the meantime, McElroy's appeal hearing continued to be delayed. So he's like, while we know that he's out running free, why don't we start a neighborhood watch? Which I think suggested by the sheriff is a load of shit because why is the town responsible for protecting themselves against him yeah you're doing a neighborhood watch for a man you already know is violent and capable of many things like why wouldn't he just be kept in jail until the uh, the hearing yeah this is a quote from joyce monty who is the daughter of bo bowen camp who i talked about earlier and again this is years later she came out and said this stuff but she said, quote, it was not the kind of justice they should have gotten. We stood up and did the right thing. We went to the police. We went to the courts. We went everywhere we could, but justice would stay delicately out of the way. Looking back, the justice system had as much to do with killing Ken McElroy as anyone in Skidmore did. She said that her family used to take night shifts to make sure no one was coming into the house to harm them. So, like... The family, to live in this house, had to just stay up throughout the night to make sure nobody was coming, which is horrible. Yeah, that's terrifying. Quote, there were so many nights dad couldn't go out and mow the yard or water the flowers because there was a truck parked down the street and they were watching the house. And that's what Monty said. That's just Mm -hmm. so terrifying that they had to be so worried for their lives when this man should have been in prison. Yeah, and that this 70-year-old man literally couldn't even just water the flowers. He could not live his life. Right. July 10th, 1981, people from the community met with Sheriff Estes at the Legion Hall in town to discuss how to protect themselves. While the townspeople were in this meeting, McElroy showed up at the D&G Tavern with Trina to have drinks. Word got back to those at Legion Hall that he was in town at the bar. And during the meeting, Sheriff Estes again stated that he thought a neighborhood watch program should be formed, and he told the group of people to avoid direct confrontation with McElroy. I'm sorry, that's not going to keep McElroy from getting into confrontation with them. I'm just like so annoyed with the justice system in this town. It's, it's disgusting that they didn't, this town didn't feel protected. And this is by then the 80s, so it should have been a little bit right. better. Sheriff Estes left town in his police car when the meeting was over, and the townspeople, however, had different plans. They decided to go to D&G Tavern and completely filled the bar. And I had read in one article that while this bar was completely filled, they made it so uncomfortable that 
Trina had asked McElroy to leave. When McElroy finished his drinks, he bought a six-pack and got into his truck. While sitting in his truck, McElroy was shot at multiple times. He was hit twice. One hit was from a centerfire rifle, and one was by a twenty-two rimfire rifle. There were multiple shooters, as these bullets were shot from two different guns. And one bullet was also fired from behind the car, while another was said to be fired from a mile away. So I feel like that was kind of their plan, just open fire and whoever hits him like nobody will know because there were so many people shooting at him yeah there was articles that basically said that there's been debate whether this town meeting was held to find a solution like the sheriff suggested with just people keep being vigilant Mm -hmm. or if this was actually a meeting where people were planning something or to like lure him there Yeah, or just come up with a plan to get rid of the problem, which was him. Yeah. There were 46 potential witnesses, around 46 deferring information in different articles with that number, to this shooting, including Trina. She was in the truck with McElroy when he was shot. This happened in broad daylight, and no one called an ambulance. Trina was the only one who said she could identify a possible gunman. Everyone else said they couldn't name someone or they didn't see who had even fired the shots. Wow. And this is a quote from Wiki. Quote, Missouri-based journalist Steve Boer described the attitude of some townspeople as, quote-unquote, he needed killing. Yeah, I have mixed feelings, and we'll go into this after we finish. Same. I'm on the same page as you, probably. Yeah. The DA did not press charges, and although there was a federal investigation, this didn't really lead to anyone being charged. The town's 435 residents let out a sigh of relief when they found out they could sleep peacefully at night, especially the Bowen Camp family. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So on to the aftermath. According to an article from Medium.com, over the years, FBI conducted almost 100 investigations regarding this case. So there was still investigations that were done. Mm -hmm. No one has ever been arrested or charged with McElroy's murder, and McElroy was buried in Missouri. July 9th, 1984, Trina filed a lawsuit against the town of Skidmore, the county of Nodway, Steve Peters, who was the mayor of Skidmore, Sheriff Estes, and Del Clement, who she accused of being the shooter. So that's the the person that she identified. No, Del Clement was never charged for being the actual shooter. She filed $5 million for wrongful death. Another article said $6 million, so around that price. This was settled out of court for $17,600, and no guilt was admitted by any party. And this is a quote from Medium.com, quote, The stated explanation for the suit's demise was a wish to prevent incurring extra expensive attorney fees. So that was the reasoning they used to just not continue in court. Yeah. Trina later got remarried 
and she moved to Lebanon, Missouri. January 24th, 2012, she died of cancer at 55 years old. That poor girl had a rough life. I just, I wonder at the end of it all, it seems like she was on his side of things. And I'm just wondering how much like manipulation went into brainwashing her. I don't know. I just, I feel so bad for her. Right. I mean, or she had some kind of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Or maybe after all of that, she was like, even though I fucking hated him, this wasn't the way it should have been done. And I deserve, like, maybe she was left with nothing. Right. Maybe she's like, I deserve at least, like, money out of this situation. Right. To take care of my children. Like, who knows what her thinking was, but I just feel so sorry for her. Me too. Just horrible situation. Yeah. Kirby Gosley, age 71, at the time the article was written, was a Skidmore farmer that still works on the land his family farmed six generations ago. And he told an author that we will mention later about how McElroy's story went. So this is according to Kirby. He said witnesses for the trials would change their minds about testifying before trials began because they might open their mailbox to a rattlesnake. I think that was an example, but like different things like that, it's just he knew how to scare people. Right. He was basically like, that's the kind of stuff this man could do. Mm -hmm. That's what he was capable of. Gene McFadden, who was McElroy's, quote, nickel slick lawyer from Kansas City, could get Ken off every time. What a horrible person, (laughs) you know? I get that's his job, but there's got to be like a moral side of it, too. Right, especially when if you're representing this person the first time and they're like claiming their innocence and you're defending them and whether they did it or not, you buy into it and you're like, okay, this person might be innocent of this crime. With the shit this man did and with the shit he did over and over and over again, how could you possibly defend him? Maybe he was intimidated as well. That is a possibility. To have to like defend him. Yeah. But that's the only thing I can think of as plausible. I mean, there are going to be people out there that are going to defend people they know that did wrong. Livestock owners would look the other way when cattle went missing or barrels of gas were empty. It's like no one really wanted to even like confront him or deal with him. I could see why though. Yeah. You don't want to like put your, you know, if you confront him, he might freaking shoot you or stalk you for a hundred days in a row. Like who knows? Right. When seen in town, women would shield their daughters from him because of what he did to poor Trina. That's the most disgusting of all, I feel. That's so true. Like, I wonder how he came upon Trina. Like, was she going to school? Was she out in the town? And he's like, I want that one. Well, in one article, and I didn't put it in here because I didn't know how accurate it was. One article mentioned that he met Trina because he was originally dating her mom. Oh, my God. And then he formed a relationship and then started having a sexual relationship with this girl. But again, I don't know how accurate or validated that article was. So obviously, I just mentioned it just now, but don't take that as fact. Horrible. I hope that's not true. And this is a quote. Quote, our law enforcement never went after him very hard. 
The son of a bitch would just as soon shoot them as anyone else. So, like, law enforcement was literally scared of him. Right. Which, clearly, not much was being done. Right. So, there are some movies, shows, and books made of this event. There's one that's called No One Saw a Thing, and it's a six-part docuseries that explores the moral ambiguity of frontier justice. When, if ever, does someone like McElroy deserve to die? That's the kind of question it puts out there. I'm curious to see what that's like. I actually really want to watch that to see. Yeah. There's another New York Times bestseller called In Broad Daylight, chronicling McElroy's life and death, and it's written by Harry McLean. And that was the author I told you about that we would mention later. He's the one that kind of wrote the whole side of things. He apparently moved to Skidmore for a little while and researched this whole case and everything. So he had a lot of inside information. Yeah, I had read that he lived there for three years to Mm -hmm. do his research. Yeah. Which is pretty intense. That's a lot. I mean, three years dedicated to something so horrible and someone so horrible that I'm sure affected the town years and years later. Right. And by then, a lot of the witnesses or people involved have passed or moved on with their lives or moved out of the town. So it was probably hard for him to find people that were actually there for the whole experience of what McElroy brought on the town. Right. And like, we hear about this story from through this case, but I wonder how often things like this happen during this time period in in little towns like this that, you know, 435 or something people that lived there, you know, like that's, I wonder how much this happened without it like being talked about. Right, where they had to kind of take justice into their own hands, sadly. Yeah. And I think everybody has is entitled to their opinion. And Honestly, I, in this case, kind of side with the townspeople. I mean, nothing was being done to protect them. And he was, they were all scared that they were going to be next. So what choice did they have? You know, I don't think that it's up to society to choose when somebody dies. But like, if they're faced with something that they can't control or the justice system can't control, like what other choice do you have? That's, yeah, that's probably... The helplessness that they were feeling yeah to drive them to that because i'm sure clearly that wasn't their first decision of taking care of the problem like this had been going on for years and years and years and it's like at what point if the law isn't stepping in at what point do they have to take it into their own hands which they did but I agree with you. I I think I'm very torn with this one because in no way, shape, or form do I think a life should ever be taken by someone else. Mm. Like, that's not up to someone else. Mm -hmm. But I see where they were coming from in this situation. Yeah. And why they made that decision and how they weren't supported or protected and they felt like, well, if it's not him, it's us. Yeah. So, yeah, I I could see why they did what they did. And I wish his ass had been dragged into jail to rot for the rest of his life, but that's not what happened. 
because regardless, he was a piece of shit and he ruined a lot of lives. Yeah. It's just sad that they were pushed to that because I mean, and who knows what like the sheriff even said at these meetings, you know, who knows what kind of like leeway they were given, you know? Right. We don't know all of these details. Yeah. The ins and outs of every single thing that happened. It's just such an interesting case that this all happened and then they made that choice and they're like, okay, we're going to take care of the problem as a whole. And there was at least like 46 witnesses according to articles, right? And not one person ever spoke up and said, this is who did it. Right, because who like knows they stuck together. if there was, like, it's kind of like the whole thing with the death penalty, how some states used to do the firing squad, where they would have 10 people shoot at a person, and mm-hmm. they don't know who killed them. There were so many people shooting. And I think it's, I, I think I compare it to that, because they probably came to that agreement, you know, like, if there's so many people shooting at him, nobody can be blamed because who knows which bullet actually killed him. Right. Or even if they did know, they all had this like silent or un- or not silent agreement that we're never going to turn you in for this. Like this problem needed to be taken care of. Otherwise, like one of us is going to potentially be murdered by him or who knows, like he was capable of so many things. Yeah, and like I said, like, who knows what the sheriff said. He could, The sheriff could have been completely in the dark about all this, or he could have been silently, like, pushing them to do something about it. Right. Okay, I'm driving out of town now. Right. So who knows what actually happened, but the people that were there. I just think it makes you think a lot about this type of justice system. And even, like, the. I think a lot about the death penalty when I hear this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, too, I had read that that author, he was pretty shocked that no one on their deathbed, because a lot of these people are a lot older now, you know, Mm -hmm. that no one on their deathbed has ever confessed to who it was or what happened. Like, he was he's just like, that's pretty crazy to me. Right, that everybody just kind of kept it. Maybe they all, I mean, this is an agreement that they all had, that they were like, nobody says anything. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, this was a pretty crazy one. Thank you, Kaylee, for the suggestion. I had never heard of this case before now. Me either. And I feel like it's not your typical case because as I was researching, I was like, what's going to happen next? Like, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Especially, too, since it kind of covers both sides because we everyone who listens knows we typically like to make it about the victim and their loved ones but in this case the victim was really the townspeople but they also committed the crime right and the victim himself in this case was also a fucking criminal and a piece of shit That really, like, makes you think. It was so intertwined. It was so different. It was just such an interesting and a case that really made you think. Yeah, I wonder where she heard of this one. Yeah. Oscar. Yeah. Anything else that we want to discuss before getting into our spiel? Yeah, I did want to mention, remember that we have 
lots of merch that would make really good gifts for Christmas. If you are thinking of doing it as a Christmas gift for December 25th, though, please try to order soon because we do have like a 7 to 10 business day until, you know, shipping comes. We still have the sweatsuits available. You can buy them separately or together. There's a little discount if you buy them together. We have the beanies. We have some tanks left over still, some mugs. Am I missing anything? You get a sticker with each purchase, or eventually we're going to have it so you can purchase stickers separately, but we just don't have that set up yet. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I don't think so. Oh, well, there's also our coffee through cars coffee. Oh, yeah. And that's a great gift. I feel like, you know, everybody on the planet drinks coffee. So if you don't know what to get your parents, get them a good cup of crime cults and coffee blend. Pretty much everyone on the planet. Both of our husbands don't. Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> It's so weird. I know. I don't get it. We're like, we do this podcast and they're like, we haven't touched it. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Yeah. Aside from that, I can't really think of anything else. Yeah, I can't either. Should we get into our spiel? Yeah, let's do it. So you can find us on Facebook at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources and photos from every case. You can also find us on our Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. We post photos from weekly episodes, the coffees that we have reviewed, and the link tree in our bio shows all of our listening platforms that are available at this time. So you can share that quickly with somebody that wants to listen. If you would like to give a listener story of your own or a case suggestion, you can email us at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee. There's been so many interactions lately on Instagram, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Such oh. nice feedback and people just talking back and forth with us about specific episodes and whatnot. It's so nice. It is really nice. And keep talking, but I'm going to mention something at the end. Okay. And if you would be so kind to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love you for it. It really helps our podcast to be seen. Or you could spread it word of mouth too, but we we just love seeing the feedback from you guys. Yeah. Also, if you don't listen on either of those platforms, on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe. That will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Love that. You guys can write a review on Anchor as well, apparently, right? Yeah, I didn't even know that was a possibility. And we got the sweetest review the other day. Oh, I have it here. Okay. It was from uh, listener Michelle. Thank you so much for writing this because I it was such a nice surprise. I honestly didn't even know you could do that. She said, you guys consistently cover cases I've never heard of, which is amazing for all the crime stories I listen to. I love hearing a missing person's case and hope you cover more in the future. Oh, that's so sweet. so sweet. Thank we you, will. Michelle. We will definitely, Michelle. I wonder if this is the same Michelle that I talk with pretty frequently on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. But yeah, I think it's really, really cool. I didn't know you could do that through Anchor. So thank you, Michelle. Oh, so kind. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of really nice messages, basically reviews, but in DM form. It's so nice to get that feedback and know that people are interested in what we're doing here and like the way that we're doing it. And I mean, that's all we want out of this podcast is to appropriately tell these people's stories. 
and to get that information out there either about their lives or if they're a missing person to help them be found to help bring justice to them and to their family that's the ultimate goal here right so. and especially with like our last episode laura's medium reading we really hope that those help the families and she does too you know she does this out of the kindness of her heart she hopes that it brings some kind of peace and reassurance and validation to the families of those that have lost somebody yeah so thank you all we yes. appreciate you we appreciate obviously you. we were full of gratitude every day but especially this morning for some reason <laughs> it's a saturday morning thing who knows <laughs> Maybe we should record on Saturday mornings more often. For real. I feel so uplifted. Same. We've been up so early, you know? I know. I can't sleep in. That's the thing. I don't know. It's like an adult thing. It's like it's 1030 and we have the whole day ahead of us. (laughs) All right. So we will talk to you guys next week. Let us know if you have any suggestions like Brynn had mentioned. And we love you. Yeah, love you. Bye, guys. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook